afternoon. This is uh, Ben Cloward. I'm uh, guest hosting uh, for uh, the interview with Brian Panish. Brian really needs no introduction. He's uh, known as, as uh, probably the world's best trial lawyer uh, with uh, some of the biggest verdicts, uh, actually the biggest verdict in, in modern history. Uh, so Brian, uh, I've got some questions for you. Uh, Far away, Ben. Okay, you got it. Brian, what do you think is the very most important characteristic you look for when considering whether or not you want a jury to uh, stay on your panel and act and serve? Well, the number one thing I think is that they're open-minded, that they don't have any bias towards lawsuits, jury awards. I mean, if I only had three questions to ask, I'd say, number one, do you believe... There are too many lawsuits, jury verdicts are too high, and uh, lawsuits cost us all too much money, yes, no, maybe. Number two question was, be, do you believe there should be caps on the amount of uh, damages that a jury should award? Number three is, uh, can, or can you award money, a multi-million dollar verdict for someone for just pain and suffering? And I think with those three answers, I kind of know who I want and what I'm looking to do is identify the strong jurors that could be a one jury trial. In other words, in, in California, 12 jurors, you get a strong juror with some followers. One juror can be the decision maker. They do the leader. They take over the group. So I want to make sure that the people that are the strong leaders, at least are open-minded or leaning towards plaintiff. I want to identify those people that I think can sink the case immediately. And there are some stereotypes. Obviously, you cannot rely on stereotypes today. But, you know, IRS agents generally probably don't want them. Engineers, the way they think, probably don't want them. Lawyers, usually I don't like lawyers and the jurors, although I had one of my last trials. She was an entertainment lawyer. She was great. Uh, and I think also one of the characteristics I'm looking for now are people that have lived. And I see a lot of young jurors, not so much that they're not sympathetic, but they're not really empathetic. They haven't lived life. They haven't seen the ups and the downs. And I like to have people that have had some life experiences that are on the jury. Tell, tell us, uh, Brian, how do you identify individuals, especially in the younger group of individuals, the millennials, uh, that, that, you know, maybe their age would indicate that they haven't lived, but they might have had the life experiences. It would be a great juror. How do you go about that process? Well, I think you got to talk to them. You got to let them talk and you got to answer them. You know, what do you, what do you think about our system of justice? About somebody coming here to court, asking 12 people to award money for an injury. What do you think about that? What, what do you uh, think about, jurors that award multi-million dollar verdicts. You know, a lot of times they'll try to exclude the, the saying a specific figure. So, but you want to get across to the jury that you're going to try to get a lot of money and that people that are not going to want to listen, you got to find them and get rid of them. Because you can do great on the case and get a low damage award because the jurors were with you. They just don't want to give money because that's not their personality. Okay. Uh let me ask you some other types of individuals. I've always been curious as to whether these types of individuals are good or bad, or I kind of want to get your views on that. 
how do you feel about school teachers, nurses, um, other? Well, first of all, I would start off with, in today's society, stereotypes are going further and further away. Sure. Keeping that in mind, generally speaking, it depends on the case. Let me give you an example. One of the first cases I tried was a dangerous condition of the roadway case where alcohol was involved. I left the stewardess on the jury. My father, who's a traveler, said that was a bad move. I said, why? He said, stewardesses see people in bad states with alcohol. I never thought about that. People are on the plane, they're abusive, they're drinking, and the stewardess see that every day. That's probably not a good juror. Maybe they're desensitized to it. Right, exactly. Nurses, generally speaking, I think nurses are tough. Nurses have heard all this propaganda about medical malpractice cases Mm -hmm. where they think, you know, lawsuit, 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 and doctors have no, not favorable for travelers. But on the other hand, some nurses have no understand the significance and the need for future care and what it takes to take care of somebody that's been seriously injured. So again, depending on the case, nurses, uh, Generally speaking, I, I don't love nurses, but I, I had a nurse on my last year. Uh, as a male nurse, he was good. Uh, so, again, generically speaking, but I think I've had FBI agents on the case. I've had lawyers. I've had scientists. Generally, I don't like scientists. I don't like doctors. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't like doctors. I think they, they just think their time is important. They got more important things to do. They don't want to be there. And a person that doesn't want to be there, is generally not a good juror for you. If they're not going to get paid and they have more important things they think to do, their attention is going to be diverted. Sure. They're not going to be a good juror for the plan. Okay. One more. One more in this area. How about folks in the insurance industry? Do you always strike them every time or do you ask the questions? I ask the questions. Uh, I remember when I was a young defense lawyer, I was in a big case a uh, van rolled over, a young girl was horrifically injured. Uh, most of the defendants settled. It was down in the lawyer got a lot of money. It goes to trial against a tough defendant. They get a big verdict, and there was an insurance adjuster on the jury. <laughs> and the insurance adjuster was quoted as saying, well, you know, and in this case, there were $8 million playing for future medical bills. This was 20-plus years ago. And the, the juror gave $24 million for... Uh, Loss, and he says, "Well, you know, it's always three times the specials." Wow! So, when you get this, but generally speaking, insurance company now is different. Workers' comp is a little different than sure. third party, but generally speaking, you don't really want the insurance person on the jury. Sure, the life insurance person I still don't like claims people very difficult jurors for plans. Okay, back to your three questions. Uh, what if you get? Uh, when do you do you allow your gut to maybe override what's being told to you? Uh, do you trust your gut in, in those situations? If somebody's telling you everything that you want to hear, but you just maybe have a feeling about that jury, they haven't said anything that would suggest that they are anti-plaintiff or anti-damage, but your gut tells you otherwise. Tell me about those situations. I, I go with my instincts. Okay. I'm going to have a million jury consultants tell you one thing. I'm the one trying the case. I'm the one that's talking to jurors. I don't want to be in a case where I'm worried about a juror that I could have struck the whole case. And there are people that will tell you everything you want to hear. 
you have a feel for them, it seems like they're repeating the answers that they know. Also, you want to see if they're going to get paid. If they're getting paid by their employer, they're probably wanting to get out of work and they're not going to be good for you. Yeah. Earlier, you talked about a jury of one, how a strong personality can, can really drag if they have a few leaders, uh, the verdict with them. So tell us how you identify those folks that are going to be the strong personality, that are going to be the ones that can influence the case, good or bad. Well, I think one way is through the group questioning, obviously. You know, they're going to be the person putting their hand up all the time. They're going to be the person wanting to talk a lot. Also watching nonverbal cues, how they react to others. Are they listening to what other people say? See them in the hallways, how they interact with other jurors. I've seen, you know, I always try to predict who the four person is going to be. You see, as that community of jurors builds, how they, who they're hanging out with in the hallway. If somebody I think is kind of a bad juror, or I'm not sure about, and I see them hanging out with people that I think are favorable, that's another thing. But you've got to always be able to see everything that's going on in the courtroom and outside the courtroom. And that comes from experience and having done it many times. Okay. I've had experiences where an outlier has either uh, resulted in a, in a compromise verdict or an outlier has been somebody that was in the minority where we had a majority verdict and they were kind of ignored. What has your exp experience been when somebody is, is kind of an outlier? Well, yeah, it depends on the other church, but depending on their personality, you know, I, I think jurors generally are wholeheartedly want to get it right. And they also want everybody to agree. So even if you're in a state like California, Nevada, or you don't need to have a unanimous jurors, the jurors like to be unanimous and they like to bring others along with them. And they may compromise a little bit for that unanimity, unanimous verdict. <laughs> uh, but I think that the most important thing is to, to identify those leaders, make sure that you're comfortable with them, otherwise get them out. I mean, I'd take out one leader over three insurance adjusters that are just going to follow. The most insurance adjusters don't follow. But a nurse, for example, that may be not as vocal, is used to being subordinate to a doctor or something that they're not going to want to take over. But, but then again, you never know when people get on jury duty and they're empowered. And I try to empower the jurors. Absolutely. And I tell them that in my final argument that each and every one of them should contribute and everybody should listen to what everybody else says. And it should be a group decision. And I, and I talk about it, it's a reasoning process and they need to reason with one another. Got it. So, obviously, you've talked about uh, identification of jurors who might not be a good good fit for your for your case. How much time do you spend, if any, uh, trying to create themes or framing the issues, uh, or or discussing uh, things like that? Okay. Well, what in California, what they call it is preconditioning. Okay. And I don't do a lot of preconditioning. Yeah, I might educate on a few points. But I try to play it pretty straight. This is the first time the jurors are really seeing you. The jurors are pretty smart. They they know when you're trying to sell them something. Mm -hmm. So I try not to do too much. I mean, I might throw it in a little bit of theme here or there or a little educational. But I try to be more generic on their beliefs. Number one, the judge is going to get off your case. Sure. And I think they're going to be more open about their, their beliefs, and it's really those underlying beliefs that drive the decision-making process. Got it. 
even if you're not able to, I guess, discuss those, the, the themes, do you, do you believe that it's important to potentially find jurors that might not be receptive to your case and your themes that, you know, how Absolutely. you're wanting to present the case? People that are, are in places where rules are followed, where, you know, there's a, a regimented uh, procedures in place. Those are the kind of people I like. I like people that are educated. I think in certain kind of cases, the more educated the jurors, the better. Because, for example, in a product liability case, it's easy to blame the driver. But, you know, you got to get past that and the whole theory of, of strict liability and what it means liability without fault. Let me ask you, I appreciate that, Brian. Let me ask you this question. A lot of people say, look, if you have a good client, you're going to win. How do you feel about that? I lost with some great clients, but, but generally, well, I'll give you the flip side. If the jurors don't like your client, you're not going to do very well. You might win, but they're not going to uh, fully compensate them because they didn't like them. Just like the lawyer. If the lawyer doesn't, generally speaking, the jurors don't like the lawyer, it's not helpful for the client. So I think it's important that you have a presentable client, but Many times you don't, and you have to work with that client to prepare them for testifying. And, and jurors, they, no matter what they've done in their life, they expect the plaintiff to be Mr. or Mrs. Clean. They don't want to see anything. Got it. How have you used uh, big data uh, online focus groups to kind of help you in your jury selection process has it been helpful for you to refine the process? Oh, I think it's been the most helpful thing that I can think of for having a successful jury verdict is to test it many times, to get as much data as you can, to analyze the data, try to identify the types of jurors you want, your juror profiles, but even more importantly, the background items that you're looking for, the things, the life experience that they've lived that may identify with your client. But I don't think you can have enough data as long as you're enough data, as long as you're analyzing. And I continue to read and analyze the focus groups or the internet focus groups or any type of uh, outside material related to the case to continue to refine the case to find that theme or that phrase that's going to drive the jurors to your side. Got it. Brian, could you help us understand maybe some of the types of jurors or types of profiles uh, that you're looking for? Maybe give us an example of, of a profile that might identify with your client, if you could give us a specific case of how you've, how you've gone about that. Well, I just did try a case involving a police officer, sheriff. It was, his brother was more seriously hurt than he was, but he was seriously hurt. And he was going to, one of his claims was is that he couldn't be a motorcycle officer and because of the injuries, carrying a gun, is that safe for him? Is it safe for the other officers? Is it safe for the public? Sure. And how the public would fight and how the public, you know, treats police officers and how they got to keep their cool. And one of the potential jurors was a, a, a woman who had been married to a police officer, which could be good or bad. And she also was a dispatcher, though, and she worked at the police department. And, and I thought that she would be good because she knows what's involved in the life of a police officer and they're in danger every day and they're on patrol and how people treat them. Sure. And, they, and then my client had a bad PTSD and he had anger issues, uh, survivor guilt and anger. And if you put him in a situation where people are 
abusing him or, or heightening the anxiety in the situation. Do you want this person to be out there with a gun? And kept her. She ended up being the four person and was was the great juror that drove home the big verdict. Wow. That's a, that's a great example. But I normally guess. I wouldn't like her as a juror, although she seemed like a pretty nice person. And even though she got divorced from the police officer, I thought she might have some animosity, although I think she was dating a police officer, but that's the world she's in. Sure. And generally, I, I wouldn't want someone like that, but from my client's background, I thought she would be okay. She seemed like a nice person, and she was. She ended up being a great juror. Yes. Great. But what are some other things that you've been able to uh, help refine your case, refine your process using uh, jury analysts and other companies like that uh, to, to help in the process? Well, I, I think one of the biggest things that I get out of it is to, it enhances your confidence that you're, you're going on the right track and that you're, you, you can win the case. And then what you're trying to do is take each little brick and as you're building your building, to put the better, the newer bricks and the things that are gonna work better to create your foundation for your case. And that's what I learned from people and their responses to questions.